Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to The Truth About Wealth with John and Michael Paris of Copper Beach Financial Group. Today is a part two of a two-part series. The gentlemen have created something called Creating and Building a 100-Year Family Vision. And I think it's a beautiful thing. On the last podcast, we really focused on Gen 1, Generation 1, and, and they'll get into that more a little bit today. But we're starting this podcast with Generation 2. Michael, how are you? I'm good, Eric. How are you? I am doing fantastic. I think you and I are both kind of Gen 2ers in the room here uh, with the uh, the other guy sitting next to you. So we'll be careful yeah, what G we say about Gen 1. Yeah, today. <laughs> 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 no, I'll, I'll support the podcast today, but it's G2's turn today. G1 was my turn last podcast. <laughs> All right. All right, Michael. So what are we starting with today? Well, I, th- I think we, we ended the last podcast uh, with Gen 1 and sort of talking about sort of, sort of some steps that Gen 1 can take to start creating this 100-year family vision. We talked Mm -hmm. on a lot of different topics, but we didn't really get into maybe some specific steps that they can take to really start this process. We wanted to start today as, even though the majority of it's going to be more about Gen 2 and Gen 3, we wanted to kind of finish off Gen 1's conversation. I I think to start that off, if you listen to part one of this this podcast, you heard a lot about what Gen 1 can do and some of the things that, that... they are, let's say, responsible for uh, in creating this 100-year vision. But how do you really start doing that? I think some things, I would listen back to some prior podcasts that we've done on, let's say, creating a family mission statement or creating a legacy letter. I think those two topics alone are really important components and are, and are, are good steps to really get the conversation going. As we said a lot on prior podcasts, really, this is a lot about communication between the generations. So getting that process started or using these tools as a catalyst to get that process started, you'd be amazed at at how quickly the conversation can sort of build from just doing those two topics. And then I would also say probably having a family meeting and really walking future generations through even just something as simple as what assets you own. That Mm -hmm. is really, I mean, you don't even have to get any more specific than that, or at least where certain documentation is saved inside of the family household. Now, families of Copper Beach, we, we we track that. That's one of the things that we do is we sort of compile all that family data to make it easier for the family because they often have data in 15 different spots. They mm-hmm. have accounts uh, over here, or certain documents in office uh, file cabinets and so on and so forth. So we help organize that. But if you don't have a, a Copper Beach in your life, just having that conversation of organizing your data and communicating that to the next generation is a really good step to just start that process going because then future generations are very likely to say, oh, well, well, mom, dad, what about this? And what about that? And then, of course, the conversation continues to build from there. So I would say those are those are probably two or three good tools to get that conversation going. Dad, I don't know if you have any others that you might think of as a Gen 1 person. Know that you, you didn't think you'd be as involved in this podcast, but I'm going to get you. All right, I got to jump in. I got to jump in, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, that, Michael, that's an excellent point. I mean, building the data... A G one's guy has that responsibility to orchestrate and organize all that, and there there is a bunch of technology out there that allows you to vault 
and put things together. The challenge is it takes a lot of time. And G1 is usually a very busy person mm. that's running a business or whatever. So finding time to do that is a challenge. That's a, maybe an outsourcing process for one of the family members or the spouse or someone. But you're right, Michael, that collecting that data and putting it in one spot where it's accessible and everyone knows where it is to get clarity on what G1 has, I think is a very important starting point. Yeah, I would say that again, the family meetings where you get into a little bit more of a discussion on sort of the family mission statement and the family constitution are, are the next steps into that because that's really where you start digging into sort of the values that, that go into making the family who they are. And again, if you listen to prior podcasts on the shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves proverb, and again, that's what we're trying to avoid here with this 100-year family concept. One of the reasons why this shirt sleeves proverb exists, or many believe it exists, is because there is a failure to transfer the values that went into creating that financial success at, at, the, at the beginning by Gen 1. These family meetings can really be a good tool to help propagate those, those values down generations. So that's kind of finalizing last podcast. You'll probably dig in a little bit to Gen 2 and Gen 3. Where should I start, Dad? Where do, where do you think I should start? Let's have a beer. <laughs> start talking about <laughs> the issues. From Gen 2, in terms of the responsibilities that, that Gen 2 has. Now, again, if you go back to the shirt sleeves proverb, Gen 2 is an interesting bridge generation because, and I'll use myself in this example, we're usually in a position to see firsthand both sides of the family's financial success. So very often, Generation 2 was brought up early on in their lives, not in the world of financial success or financial wealth. As they've gotten older and they've started to have families of their own, they now are in that land more so, the, the financial success more so. So it's an interesting sort of bridge. I, I, I think we're in a unique position to be able to really help transition the, those values down to the third generation, my children, as an example, because we've seen that firsthand, whereas my, my children might not have that perspective because they grow up in a world of financial success more so than I did right from the get-go. That's a, a really unique starting point is to first off recognize if you're in Gen 2, that's sort of where you are. You're really uniquely positioned for that, I would say. Yeah, and I'll, I'll jump in here for a second. I think that where the mission statement becomes very powerful, if G1 builds that mission statement with G2, you have you already have a roadmap because everyone's on the same page on where the family is going. When G1 passes on, G2 now has the reins, but there's already a roadmap in place. So I think G2 can take that roadmap as a guide, but that can be modified. And that's really up to the G2 philosophies, not, not different from G1s, but they, they might... They might change it a little bit based mm -hmm. on current events and things going on with the families or whatever. So I think that that roadmap or that mission statement from G1 could be that starting point and along with the legacy letter. And I think G2 can use that as a guide. Yeah, Eric, what would you say? As you mentioned, you're a, a G2er early on in the podcast. How, how would you il illustrate sort of from your personal experience without getting into too much detail? But what, what do you think is important? The theme of everything that I'm hearing from you guys is communication, right? I think that the, what's important to me is I want to make sure that I pass down the values that my parents passed to me. Now, 
it took a little while. I think some maturing on my part to understand how wise my parents were. And at the same time, it took some changing of their hearts. And I think that that is reflected in some of the families you probably work with where, again, they don't know that they're that wealthy. They haven't prepared their children. And so now they're they're having to prepare adult children for for the wealth that will possibly be passed down. And the wisdom and the things that I'm learning from my parents now as a grown adult with children and grandchildren of my own, I want to make sure that's imparted to my kids and to my grandchildren as well. I don't know any family that doesn't want that. And maybe you've seen that. Maybe some people just don't care, but I've never experienced that in my, in my history. You're, you're always passing something down. So what is it? Is it, is it doubt? Is it enthusiasm? Is it good communication skills? Is it poor communication skills? I think every family has to kind of look inside themselves and say, okay, this is what we do. Is this something that we can improve upon? And I know that that's, you bring these things up to your families to help them and you have resources to do that. But if, if people aren't able to look inside and say, Hey, this is something I want to change. Then I think that that's, I don't think anybody can tell them what to do. Right. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a statement. I'll probably scare a lot of people away on this one, but but the whole challenge between generations is I remember having my mother talk to me about certain things when I was 20, and in my head it was going, Ma, you don't know what you're talking about. I I got it. <laughs> you're an older person. You don't understand mm-hmm. what's going on in my world. So there, there's a conflict built into families that there's a, there's a wall that goes up between the generations automatically. So how do you break down those walls? And some families build walls where they don't belong. It's kind of interesting when you see that, that kind of, when you think through that concept. That's why, again, going back to G1 being a leader of the pack and making sure that communication is strong from the beginning, it allows that wall to come down comfortably where there's an understanding between the generations. Trust me, they're not going to agree on everything. I, I'll bet you uh, a case of wine, Eric, they're not going to agree on everything. But yep. you got to start someplace. To your point, what do you want to pass down? Good communication, bad communication, bad theories, bad... I mean, there's going to be good and bad to all of this, but you got to try to start somewhere mm-hmm. and make it work if you're looking at that 100-year cycle. It's, you have to do it. You have to work on it. And we're just the sum of our experiences, right? I mean, that's the bottom yeah. line is that... I, I don't know about you guys, but my parents, and John, you can speak to that. Well, both of you can, but John, you can speak to this specifically. Both of my parents were small children of parents that lived through the Great Depression and felt the Great Depression, right? So certain things were passed on, and that's and I can track it back. That's why my family never spoke about money because it was something they didn't, their parents never spoke to them. They just learned that behavior and they pass it on to me. I changed just because of all the training and and teaching education I've got. I am an open book to my kids because I saw the ramification of what happened when my parents didn't speak to me about certain things like debt and and finances and, and those types of things. And I didn't want that for my children. It's all about the behaviors based on experiences. And so I know that you guys have different experiences with that because of your age, the age difference. But what are your thoughts on that as far as the behaviors coming from their own experiences? I think you bring up a really good point there. There's pluses and minuses, I think, to having, let's say, or keeping that information about, let's say, the family wealth close to the vest and maybe not discussing it. And I I, I do think, uh, although money is, the financial assets aren't everything, but I do think the dynamic changes when you have, let's say, a family business 
that has significant value, or you have a lot of complex assets that over the years generation one has accumulated and is set to pass on to generation two, that communication, as we've talked about a lot on prior podcasts, is really important to prepare generation two to, to how to manage all of that. So it, it is, I understand as a generation two person, maybe the desire to not talk about it, but from my perspective, I would wanna know what my responsibility is to how to man in, in terms of managing that, because you are a generation two person and perhaps your, your, your parents aren't really being forthcoming with that type of information. I would maybe take it upon yourself to bring the conversation up. So, because you're really going to be responsible for, for how to manage that. And, it, and, and I can't tell you, I've seen that in family meetings where generation two is really the, the almost the catalyst for having that conversation. And it actually, it really kind of makes it easy for everybody to have that conversation because I think Generation One is really under the impression that Gen Two maybe doesn't care about it or isn't serious about it. And when Gen Two is the one that brings it up, it just just makes everything a lot easier to have that conversation to to really plan that better. It'll empower Gen One because if you bring it up as a Gen Two and you bring it up to Gen One, even if the first generation doesn't talk about money or they're not used to talking about money, if you present it in such a way as look. I need to have a better understanding of what I need to be doing for my own retirement, for my own investments. Can you tell me what you did to be so successful? Boom. That opens the conversation. Yeah. Most parents, I would say the majority of them want to help their children. So if you approach it in that way, you can get them to talk about it. It's just something that they didn't realize that they needed to, and they'd be more than happy to help. And through that help, the conversation begins. If you start, if and I'm not saying every generation one has this mindset, but if you are, let's say, concerned about generation two's financial responsibility the fact that generation two is asking that question i think helps alleviate that concern yes. to a large degree because that right there says well they obviously are financially responsible or, or have some degree of that because they're asking they, they mm -hmm. want to learn i think one of the other issues and um i don't want to sound negative because i'm a real positive person but there's a culture shift that's occurred now mm -hmm. getting back to your comment eric talked about your mom and dad that they were they were kids of depression parents yep the the, the culture was different absolutely I think the culture today has got an extra challenge to it i apologize ahead of time if someone gets offended by this i think kids today are number one less mature than they were when we were growing up mm -hmm. and the respect to their adult marketplace has changed now that's that's not that, that's not anything that i want to spent a lot of time on but but the culture shift a little bit where kids today have sometimes a challenge by guidance from the next from the older generation because of the technology shifts and the and the and all the computerization and the technology is that they have so much data at their disposal they they know so much more than than their parents do there's a lack of sometimes respect from of that parent on some of their guidance and again i'm not trying to sound negative here so there's you have, you have to break through that you got to be able to open that communication up and say that it's not about that it's about our family it's about what we have to do as a unit to make sure this hundred year opportunity is successful so there's got to be respect on both sides is what i'm getting at the, the respect level has got to be at the highest position to make this work i would agree and and i would add that part of 
the disrespect that I see, or you, you may term it as lack of maturity, is frustration. And the frustration is being able yeah. to see parents where one parent went to work, one parent stayed home for the most part, and the yep. one parent that went to work was able to make a good enough living to support the entire family and have a good retirement because of pension or, or other things or wealth accumulation. You just don't see that anymore. And you see that you in, in most households in today's economy, you have to have two people working. And that's it, it's not necessarily the, the group that we're talking about today because we're talking about wealth being passed down. But if the majority of the culture in the United States, which it is, sees that and says, we can't even make it on one salary. There's just no way we can't even purchase a home because of our college loans that were way more expensive than when my parents went to school. They feel like they've gotten the raw end of the deal. And I, I can't blame them. But at the same time, yeah. I'm of the generation to say, okay, that's the way it is. Suck it up, get moving. Right. And and I don't want to offend people on the podcast, but that's, that's just, there's nothing you can do to change what's happened historically. I think that's part of the disconnect of, well, mom and dad, you don't understand what I'm going through in a lot of ways. They don't because they had one person working and that was enough to support the entire family and get ahead, which yeah, just that's where that culture shifts happening. You know, yeah. and I, I agree hundred percent, Eric, that that's the challenge we have with this G2 concept. And Michael, and I see it all the time. So this is not an easy process, but mm -hmm. you get, but, but again, if you, if, if the vision of that hundred year old, hundred year old, hundred year family, that's a guidance from G1, the earlier you start your children, the better. So this is a message that says, if this is a vision, get the kids involved as soon as possible to create that respect between the generations. Again, again, it's never going to be a straight line. The more you do, the better it's going to it's going to help the situation again to get to that that plan you want to put in place. I, I know that we're kind of getting into the weeds a little bit, but this is all real stuff. This is stuff happens every day and we can't avoid it. It's there. Correct. So we, we got to manage it. And I think it goes right back to how Michael started this podcast values. Exactly right. Yeah, I think value to, to sort of expand upon, I, I don't think each of you said this explicitly, but I think what it really, again, coming from a Generation 2 standpoint, perhaps why you see a little bit of that behavior in addition to the reasons that you both mentioned, I think is, is really them trying to find their own identity in a lot of ways as well, particularly if you're in a family business context or if you are, again, Gen 2 from that's maybe set to inherit a significant amount of financial success. And, and there are a lot of studies and books that are written about, it's almost a burden in a way, because I think as an inheritor or as a Gen 2, and even Gen 3 and future generations have this issue, is you're not really directly connected to that financial success from the standpoint of it wasn't created by you. Mm -hmm. You're inheriting that. And I think the I don't want to call it lashing out, but it's really more trying to find your own identity because I think a lot of Generation 2 individuals want to be able to have that same level or feeling of success that they themselves are directly able to create as well. I, I think that there's a little bit of that that goes into it too. Yeah, one of the things that we, we've understood a, a while back is sometimes you got to start from the beginning. And, and I, I use a, a phrase all the time, start with a beginner's mind. And what I mean by that is think back when you were four or five years old, you had no biases, you had no history, you're young, you're learning, you're absorbing everything around you, and your excitement for, for, for life is, in, in, is unbelievable. Sometimes you got to force people to start with a beginner's mind and start with a clean 
slate if you can, and forget about what happened in the past. Let's build a future together mm-hmm. as, a, as, as the next two or three generations. So that conversation can be had. It, again, sometimes you got to be more of a counselor to make that happen as a parent, but, but that might help parents through, let's start a clean slate. Let's build this together. You're going to be an important part of this, as well as the grandkids, as well as a mom and dad are. We need your input. We trust your input. We respect your input. Let's, let's start this dialogue mm-hmm. and let's clean the slate of all the negatives. Again, that's going to be, or that's going to be a challenge to some, but that's, that's a good start. Maybe if you're kind of in a position where you're not sure how to start. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with all of that. I would say another responsibility, I'm just thinking generation two, again, is to, is to really understand the asset base that is, that they're perhaps inheriting and figure out a way, again, if you are not going to necessarily create your own financial success, but how do you nurture what's being passed to you and help grow it for future generations? Because that is going to be a responsibility that generation two has. We talked about leadership last podcast on how, mm-hmm. how generation one maybe can pass leadership skills down to generation two. So I would think generation two being the recipient of that is to also be learn, try to learn leadership skills and how to be able to take that financial success and, and grow it even further whether it's for the for through their own entrepreneurial activities or or endeavors or just being good investors being able to understand how how to invest money and taxes and a lot of the technical topics that we talk to our families about a lot of times generation 2 really has a lot of responsibility to to understand those facets as well yeah that's why when we look at go back to the trust podcasts you look at the trust designs and the language. Mm-hmm. That's why we often recommend the children at, when they become a certain age to become co-trustees right. of the trust to help help understand that you're going to be part of the decision process in this trust. Mm-hmm. Now, this, the assets are still protected by the trustee that runs the trust. The co-trustee has limited powers, but allows them to get educated on, hey, they're going to be part of the investment philosophy of the trust, making investment decisions for the trust, or implementation of certain strategies in the trust. They become part of that vehicle. That's where, again, that G1 starts to build it. They build that trust, but that trust has versatility and flexibility to teach G2 help G2 through that process. And that could be transferred to G3 because they'd have the same powers Mm -hmm. to be co-trustees and be intricate parts of growing wealth in that trust for the next generation. Yeah. And and I know that we're running low on time on this podcast, but you brought up G3. One of the biggest things besides passing down some leadership from G2 to G3 is making G3 understand that it has to be a priority, right? Learning from the grandparents from G1 and G2 need to be a priority even in their early years, right? I, I don't know what age you guys would suggest, but I'm, I'm assuming, you know, when you're starting to hit double digits, they need to start understanding what the, the values of the family are when it comes to finances. And then into their teen years, they can start to take more of an active role. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah I would certainly say, well, as early as possible, if you, if you listen to a few podcasts ago, we had a guest, uh, Jeff Savlov, he talked about raising right. children in a world of financial success. And he actually works with parents before they even have kids to, to start training the parents on how to raise mm-hmm. children. True. His position is start even before you have kids. So certainly the earlier, the better to start again, transitioning those values. 
Generation three, if you follow the shirt sleeves proverb, is <laughs> is the, is the generation that loses all of the wealth historically. Maybe that's not all of their fault. Again, this is kind of it's really a continuum in a lot of ways between Gen one to Gen two and Gen three. Again, that education and that values that go into again creating the wealth from from the beginning have to be passed on to your point, Eric, to to Gen three, and they have to understand it. So a lot of those family mission statements again really become important and and starting from a young age to get them to understand what the family's about and tell stories and talk about what went into creating the family wealth so that they seem more connected to it. Because again, they, they very often aren't a part of that prior pre-wealth world. They grow up in it. So they really know nothing else other than that. It is a difficult challenge that they have in particular with not falling prey to that shirt sleeves proverb. I'm going to end it with this thought. I mean, again, it goes back to G1 having the responsibility of building it the right way. And if you look at our trust designs, G3 has it, has it, has it made if G1 does it right. Because G3 is going to have a trust that they're not, it's not, they're not going to have access to the assets, but they could be part of that trust strategy of investing the monies and being taken advantage of what, what grandpa laid out and grandma. If you read that legacy letter, again, going back to the legacy letter strategy, the values are in that legacy. That's why you write that legacy letter to share values. Go out a hundred years and great grandson's going to read that legacy letter that grandma and grandpa wrote. They're going to get a feel and a sense of their values. But remember, if you design the trust the right way, they have no control of the assets in the trust. They're just recipients of that trust. So go back to the family we talked about on the first podcast, his net worth scat. I mean, it was, it was grown tremendously because of his success from G1. Mm-hmm. So G3 had 100, 200 million in these trusts that they could get benefit from over that period of time, but they have no control over it. We can control that, that paradigm of losing wealth. And again, that church through the search leaves issue mm-hmm. by trust designs you can control that so g3 has it made in the shade you just said hopefully you get the values that's just my that's just my read on on that g3 position well get they 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 do very often and that's and that's the the benefit that they have but it's also in parts of responsibility on their part to perpetuate that again if you want to create that hundred year family uh, that imparts that responsibility on gen 3 to understand how to manage those assets and and not squander them. So whether it, they're owned in trust that maybe a Gen 1 person created for your benefit, that's really when you mentioned becoming a co-trustee dad, that could be for Gen 3 as well. Is that an mm-hmm. important component of that education process is to have Gen 3 become a co-trustee over their own trust share perhaps so that they understand how to manage the assets or they feel connected to it as well because there is Again, the further removed you are from the creation of that wealth, the less it seems like it's a real thing. It's almost just a, yeah. a check that gets sent out to them, or it's just this distant asset base that they really have no connection to. So that co-trustee decision could be an important component of allowing that Gen 3 some con- some control over the future of that of that wealth for the family going forward. To your, to your point, Ed, you hope that they have the values and the skills to be able to to manage that effectively because they were taught that by Gen 1 and Gen 2. <laughs> yeah, and I just want to clear the deck here one last time. You don't have to be a multimillionaire to do this. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good point. You, you, could, you could be someone who has uh, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars worth of assets, whether it's a home or a life insurance policy. You can add your assets. If you put those in trust 
and manage them accordingly in that trust properly, you can grow those assets for G2 and G3 at a substantial level. Mm-hmm. So trust designs enough for the rich people only. Anybody could create a trust. Remember, it's an asset protection theme. It's a management theme. And giving your children and your grandchildren the benefit of whatever you built is going to grow, hopefully, in this trust structure to benefit the next two generations. You have to think through. So sit with your advisors, bring this up at your next conversation and say, how do I look at my estate plan and build this in? Because I like this idea of strategizing on G3 and giving them something. Because I know something about grandparents. They love their grandkids way mm-hmm. more than they love their kids. <laughs> it's just the way it works. Thanks, so, Pops. Although I lo- I, that's, yeah, right. that's not true with me, but, but basically, <laughs> but there's a, there's a logic there. So you don't have to be a multimillionaire to do these strategies. Think through it. Sit with your spouse. Sit with your family. Sit with your kids and build this. You can build this very simply, not simply, but you can build it with a vision and create the same value generationally. Again, that's, that's just, I wanted to make sure I ended with that. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, this was fantastic. I, such great content. And I'm, I'm just going to shamelessly say that if, if you're listening to this podcast and if you ask your current advisor that question, I'd like to talk to you about helping me create and build a 100 year family vision. If they gasp or look at you funny, because they don't understand that concept, I would encourage you to reach out to Copper Beach because they understand it and they implement it with their families whenever they can. Gentlemen, to do that, they're going to need to get a hold of you. What's the best way to reach you? Call our our office. Uh, It's area code 856-988-8300. Or you can reach us on our website. It's www.cbfgllc.com. Fantastic. Thank you guys so much for your time today and happy holidays. You too, Eric. Happy holidays, Eric. All right. Thank you. And last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast with John and Michael Paris. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when John and Michael come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And this is a two-part series. And of course, remember the title was Creating and Building a 100-Year Family Vision. This is a great one to share with family and friends. Start conversations. See what people think about it. See what they think of the content. We'd love to hear some feedback from you. Let us know what you think. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Copper Beach Financial Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. This material is for informational purposes only. Neither APFS nor its representatives provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please consult your own tax, legal, or accounting professional before making any decisions. Copper Beach is not affiliated with American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc., a member of FINRA SIPC, Investment Advisory and Financial Planning Services offered through American Portfolio Advisors, Inc., an SCC-registered investment advisor.
These opinions are subject to change at any time without notice. Any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments. Readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing. Investments are not guaranteed, involve risk, and may result in a loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investments are not suitable for all types of investors. Copper Beach is an unaffiliated entity of American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Any opinion expressed in this forum is not the opinions of American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolio Advisors, Inc. and have not been reviewed by the firm for completeness or accuracy.